Well, right now we're going to talk about the European Union uh, and the trade talks, though, because Professor Tim Bale is here, Deputy Director of the UK in a changing Europe. Tim, very good morning to you. Good morning. It didn't come as any great surprise, I suppose, to anyone that there would be um, a few daggers drawn before these trade talks <laughs> take place. But it's all a bit of a game we've seen before, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you have to take a lot of what is said at the moment with a pinch of salt. This is about the kind of signalling game, the negotiation uh, won't really get underway uh, for a few weeks now. And this is people kind of setting out their uh, initial negotiating positions, although Frost said, you know, this isn't simply a position on which we'll move. <laughs> well, I mean, he would say that, wouldn't he? You're hardly going to start a negotiation by saying, well, this is our position, but of course we might compromise on it later. <laughs> no, well, quite, <laughs> you know, yeah, just, just give us a couple of, uh, you know, nice things to, to think about and we might change our view. I mean, <laughs> yeah. how much of it is for is sort of for Tory party consumption uh, or indeed Brexit party consumption uh, and how much of it is actually achievable? Well, I mean, I think if you read the speech, it's interesting. Um, it, it is quite a measured speech. It's not a kind of, uh, although we've talked about, you know, daggers drawn, it's not, you know, in terms of the rhetoric, really sabre-rattling stuff. I think what he's trying to convey to the EU is that actually if it comes to a trade-off, if you like, between our autonomy to set our own rules and our access uh, to EU markets, then the EU might be surprised that the government will choose the former rather than the latter in the end, and that we are prepared, as he says, to take a short-term hit, or what he regards as a short-term hit, in order for long-term gain from uh, being able to set our own uh, rules and regulations, particularly on industries that perhaps you know don't dominate the economy now, but may in the future, artificial intelligence being the obvious. Hmm. And how much of it is actually underway at the moment? Because I, I get asked the question an awful lot of, you know, what's actually going on? You know, are there people physically sitting down around a table talking to one another? Has that been going on since the election? You know, and if not, why not? Well, I, mean, I think it is going on, but it's not going on in the same way as we're used to seeing perhaps over the last few years. You know, you can remember photographs of David Davis sitting down uh, with Michel Barnier in, in a room, you know, um, David Davis not having the folders of Michel Barnier <laughs> folders. <laughs> I think there are a lot of people now, serious people, with serious numbers of folders actually sitting down or at least talking on the telephone uh, about what's going to happen. But the other problem we have is that neither the 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 EU nor in particular the UK have really set out their negotiating positions in detail to each other yet. Um, partly I think in the UK's case um, because it, it doesn't feel that it will be able to kind of set the agenda as it originally thought it might be able to by publishing as it were a draft um, trade agreement. No, of course. And as far as the, um, the, the, the sort of the things that can be done over the course of the next several months, are, are you expecting to see a kind of a drip drip um, of information coming from Brussels uh, and or from from our own government or are, you, are we going to have to wait until sort of towards the end of the year before we get anywhere? No, I mean I think you know inevitably these things leak and it's part really of the negotiation game uh, I think to selectively leak how things are going and we saw that over the last three years when it came to the withdrawal agreement so I think you know obviously in the end, it might be good if both sides could get into a room and not have everybody looking on at what goes on. Uh, however, I, I think in these kinds of negotiations, they, they are political as much as they are technical, and, and there is bound to be, uh, as I say, a little bit of kind of media manipulation on both sides. Because, of course, the EU and member states uh, have their own interests 
uh, to look after and they're going to want to make it clear to their population that they're not giving in to Britain and they're not um, compromising where they don't need to because in some ways any compromise they make might hit economic interests in their country just as any compromises we make sure. uh, might do the same. I mean one of the big stories obviously that we're talking about this week is the flood uh, problem in this country. Some are saying that a lot of the reasons for why the flood defences are not as good as they ought to be uh, is because of EU regulation. Is that one of those stories that isn't necessarily stand upable uh, or is it in fact correct that the EU has imposed various um, different regulations on Britain which is which is which has stopped us from being able to dredge places or or clean out places and that kind of thing yeah. well, I mean I'm not an expert in flood defenses but it strikes me I mean that's possible but I suspect that it pales in comparison to under under investment in the long term actually by by governments you know not just in the UK but in, in other um, places as well I mean given what's happening with the climate these events will become more common and I suspect governments all around the world are just going to have to spend more money on this kind of thing and I, I'm not sure that actually you know regulations from one body or another make uh, as much difference as people think. Yeah well I mean I know that when I was uh, suffering from flood damage in my uh, village in Wiltshire a local council guy came around and said we could not clear out uh, the, the stream that was overflowing and flooding everybody's homes because of water voles. Oh. <laughs> and I said, well, what's that? He said, well, they're protected species and you can't um, ruin their habitat. So well, I'm afraid we'll just have to leave the stream as it is, uh, which will result in you getting flooded again. Yeah, I mean, clearly, you know, there are um, rules, uh, you know, that we agree to to protect um, biodiversity. And, and sometimes there will be a trade off between those, I guess, and, and flood defences. And that that isn't going to be helpful um, to everybody. No. But I think in some ways, one of the one of the good things about leaving the European Union, some people would say, is that we will eventually see an end to this, you know, buck passing. Um, you know, it's very easy, of course, for local authorities to blame the national government. It's very easy for national governments to blame the EU. Uh, and one of the things about, quote unquote, taking back control is those excuses aren't going to be there anymore in the long term. Yeah, OK. Uh, Tim Bell, thank you very much indeed. Professor Tim Bell, they're talking about uh, uh, the problem with flood defences.